The previous Mishnah talked about somebody who gives money to a Shomer to guard for him. And this Mishnah talks about somebody who gives money to a Shulchani, somebody who changes money, a money changer. So he's dealing with money the whole day. That's what he does, that's what he uses all day. So an African Moisetel Shulchani, one who gives a money changer money for him to guard for him. Is this Shulchani able to use that money or not? Says the Mishnah named Sururin. If the money is tied up in some unique way, so then it is assumed that the person does not want the Shomer to use the money. And therefore, Leish Tanish Baheni cannot use it. Lefichach, therefore, the Shulchani has the status of a regular Shomer Chinom, somebody who is guarding something on behalf of somebody else without being paid for it. And he is not able to use it himself. Lefichach im Ovdu, therefore, if the money gets lost somehow out of his control, and not as a result of his negligence and not, and not looking after it properly, Eino Chayb Yuson, this shomer, this money changer, would not be liable to replace it. However, with Torin, if you gave the money to the money changer untied, since the money changer uses money all day, it is understood and assumed that he allows him to use the money, and therefore Yishtamish Bohen, the money changer can use this money, and he'll just have to return that amount of money back to the owner when it comes to it. Therefore, if the money gets lost somehow out of his control, the money changer would be liable to replace that money, because he has the status of a somebody who is borrowing the money. Even though, interestingly, in general, a borrower comes to the lender and asks to use the money. In this case, it starts the opposite, where the person who has the money, the owner of the money, wants somebody to look after it. But he allows that shomer to use it, so even in that case, the shomer has the status of a shoyel, of a borrower who is therefore liable to replace the item or the money which he is taking, regardless of whether or not it was in his control to stop the money being lost. And this is true even if the money changer had not yet used the money. Even before he starts using it, since he is allowed to use it, he already has the status of a shoyel, and therefore he would be obligated to replace that money. On the other hand, says Mishnah, it's about a bias. If somebody gives money to a regular owner of a house, that's what it literally means. It's referring to somebody who is not a money changer. Whether he gives him the money tied up or untied, the money by itself, the assumption is that he is not able to use that money. Therefore, im ofdu. If the money become it gets lost and it's not it's not because he didn't look after it properly at all, Ainachai is not liable to replace it since he has the status of a Shomer Chinom who is not allowed to use the money. And again, because he himself is getting less benefit from it, so he is liable to less. Now what about Hachenveni, a shopkeeper? On the one hand, he's not dealing with money the whole time, he's selling things. On the other hand, he is in need for money the whole time. So according to the first opinion, Kalabayas is considered to be like a homeowner. And the assumption is that if a shopkeeper receives money to guard, he cannot use it. So he would have the status of a shomechinom. The Rebbeir, that is the opinion of Rebbeir. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, A shopkeeper has the same status as a money changer, since he is in need of money very often. A shomechinom, somebody who is guarding an item for no charge, and he is not able to use that item. If he does go ahead and use that item for his own benefit, that is known as shlichus yad, and he's considered to be a thief. And as soon as he uses it, if after he uses it, something happens to the item even out of his control, then he would be liable to replace that item and to pay the owner the value of the item because he's considered to be a thief. The mission says, one who literally stretches out his hand, meaning he uses that item for his own benefit. The pekodoin, the item which he is supposed to be guarding. 
He suffers, as it were. He is on the... He has the lower hand. Whether it goes down or goes up. Whether something is taken away or added on. If, for example, when he received the item, it was, let's say, an animal with lots of fur, lots of wool. And then he used the animal for his own benefit. And then the animal's wool was cut off. So it's now considered to be lacking what it had originally. And in that case, this thief, this shomer, would have to pay according to the more expensive value which it was worth at the beginning. And if it's the opposite, if, let's say, it didn't have wool and then he used it and then it grew lots of wool, so now it's worth more... Once again, he has the lower hand, and he would need to pay the more expensive price, which this time is the later price. We still, I remember, we still say, no, it all depends on the time that he took it from the ownership, as it were, of the owners, meaning at the time of the shlichus yad. When did he steal the item? So that is that decides what he stole, and how much he's going to have to give back. Now, this argument between Misham and Mishidel concerns a case which we described where the animal itself becomes, it gains more will, or it loses its will, something which is part of the animal itself. Now, what happens if the difference is the market value? The item itself stayed exactly the same, but the value in the market went up or down. So, we're strict upon him, and he would pay the higher amount. However, Rabbi Akiva says, it depends upon the time of the claim, meaning in such a case where the market value goes up or down, so you pay according to the value at the time where he is being claimed in Bastin. Rakiva learns this from a apostle, which says that you should pay according to the value on the day of his guilt when he is in Bastin and the verdict is being given that he needs to pay. Continues the Mishnah. Until now we've understood that if your Shalech Yad, if the Shem actually uses the item for his own benefit, that's forbidden. But the mission now tells us that even a which literally means somebody who thinks to use the item for his own benefit. Now, just thinking about it is obviously not a forbidden thing. We're talking about somebody who says in front of witnesses that he is planning on using the item for his own benefit. Bishamai say, Chayev, he is liable as if he was already shalech yad, as if he already used it for his own benefit. So if something that happens out of his control, he would be liable to pay. And Bishamai's reason is because the Pasuk says, I'll call devar pesha. For every matter of negligence, of not looking after it properly, and the fact that it says, I'll call devar, that can also be understood to mean on every word. And so the point is, Bishamai learned from Pasukim that this is the law, or Bishamai say, Enechayev achishlach bayod, he is not liable unless he actually uses it for his own benefit. It's not enough just to say that he's going to do it. Shalem, as the Pasuk says, that he'll be exempted only if if he didn't actually send out his hand and use the item and benefit from his friend's handiwork. The idea is that Bisham and Basil are arguing as to how to interpret the Pasukim. What exactly is the prohibition over here? Ketzad, how so? There are some Mishnahs who don't have this word, Ketzad. And really the mission is now going back to explain what the law of Shlichus Yad is. What happens when a Shomer uses the item, says the Mishnah. If the Shomer tilted the barrel of wine, for example, which he is guarding, but he didn't lift it up. And he took a quarter of a log, that's a certain measurement. He took that amount of wine from the barrel, and later on the barrel broke. Says the Mishnah, he would only need to pay a revius, the amount of wine that he actually took, but the rest of it is not considered to be that he used the rest of the wine. 
However, says the Mishnah, if he lifted up the entire barrel and then with a he took a revius, a quarter of a log from that barrel, Vanishbra, and later on the barrel is broken, he would need to pay the value of the entire barrel of wine since he's considered to be a thief of the entire barrel. The previous parak talked about Shomrim, the different kinds of guards of an item of somebody else, and this parak now begins to talk about other monetary laws of transactions, different sales between people, and there is a discussion in the Gomorrah as to whether mid-o-raiso, when somebody pays for something, that is a valid way of acquiring the item. According to everybody, it is not a valid way. The question is, is this mid-o-raiso or mid-jabonon? And we won't go into the reasons for both opinions at the moment, but the point is that the law states that just by paying for something, one does not acquire the item. Rather, the buyer would need to lift the item up, whatever it may be. Now, in every transaction, we need to define what is the item being bought and what is the money which is being paid for that item. And then we would say that as soon as the person receiving the item lifts it up, that is when the sale takes place. So, for example, the Mishnah says, Hazohov kones akesef. Gold acquires silver. Meaning, if people are exchanging gold for silver, the silver is considered to be the money, and the product, the item which is being bought, is the gold. Silver was more commonly accepted as money, it was more commonly used, and therefore it is when the person receiving the gold lifts up the gold that the sale takes place. And that is the meaning of the Mishnah, Hazov kones akesef, that the gold acquires the silver. That if two people are exchanging gold for silver, then the sale depends upon the lifting up of the gold. And the silver does not acquire the gold, meaning if somebody does an act of acquisition, for example, lifting up the silver, the exchange and the sale does not take place. Copper acquires silver, and silver does not acquire copper. So once again, in this case, the silver is looked at as the money, even though silver is worth more than copper, once again, since silver was more commonly used as money, that is considered to be the money, whereas the item, the product which is being bought, is considered to be the copper. Mois horois, which literally means bad money, either it's referring to coins which have become invalidated, or at least it's harder, it's less acceptable as money. Konus sayofois, they would affect the transaction and the sale for better good money, which is accepted by all. So in this case, certainly the money is considered to be the money which is used as money in general, the good accepted money. And the good money which is accepted as payment would not acquire and affect the transaction of the bad, less accepted money. A coin which hasn't yet got the image which is imprinted on the coin, for example, the image of the king or the ruler, whatever it may be, this Asimoin would acquire a regular coin which has got the image on, because it's certainly the coin with the image on which is used as payment and more accepted as payment. And the coin, which is a regular coin which has the image, would not acquire the coin without the image, because the coin with the image is considered to be the money. Regular movable items acquire a coin, but the coin would not acquire the movable items. Over there, obviously, the payment is the money, alright? Says the Mishnah, this is the rule. All movable items acquire one another. This is actually referring to a new case known as Khalipin, which is a way of exchanging where we sort of look at 
both of the items not as money but as the object itself and at the same time they're sort of both the money we don't view one of the things being given over as the item and one of them being payment we look at them as equally so as soon as one of them will lift up one of the items he will acquire that item which he's lifting up and the other person will automatically acquire the item which he is exchanging for his own item Mr. Base, Kate said, how so? Let's explain this. If the buyer pulled, he moved towards him the produce which he is buying, but he still had not yet given him the money for the produce. In Yochalachsabah, he's not able to go back and retract from the sale. Neither of them are able to do this, since the sale has already taken effect, because he did the Mashicha. He moved the item towards him, which is a valid way of acquiring the item. On the other hand, if he gave money but he did not move the produce towards him, either of them is able to retract from the sale because it has not yet taken place. The one who exacted judgment and who punished the generation of the flood and the generation immediately after that of Migdal Bovel, the ones who tried to build a tower to reach Hashem, and they were spread across the entire world and punished. So the same one who punished them, who he is going to punish anyone who does not stand by their word, and if they said they'll do something, they said that they're going to buy something for a particular price, and they even gave the money and then they retract from it, that is not considered to be something positive at all. However, it doesn't make a difference to whether the acquisition takes place or not, but Hashem will punish such a person. Now, Rishimon comes to argue on the Tanakama, and according to Rishimon, it's not so simple that the only way to not be able to go back on the sale anymore is once the item being bought is lifted up. Rishimon and Rishimon says, Kol Whoever has the money in his hand, his hand is, he has the upper hand. And that means that according to Rishimon, once the buyer has given over the money, even though the sale might not yet have taken place, once the buyer has given over the money, so he's now given that control, as it were, over to the seller, and he's no longer able to retract from the sale according to Rishimon.